Here we go, at the top of the class on the road And it's time to run it up, yeah you know Maxed out, put the pedal to the flow Ay, On the road, here we go, here we go yeah. All right, everybody, welcome back to Mondays Down South. We got Zach on the line. Cy will be joining us at some point. Um, and we got our favorite favorite guest, Dolan, down at the bottom of the screen to talk some talk some NFL. Um, Dolan, I'll maybe let you plug your yourself a little bit here. I, you got some articles we always we always plug, but got to, got a new place to find some of your articles if you want to plug that before we uh, jump into the topic for today. Yeah, sure. I appreciate it. Um, first of all, calling me your, your favorite guest. I'm flattered on that one. Um, and then also appreciate that. Hey, I'll take being in the conversation. Um, Y'all do some good stuff over here. Um, but yeah, I, I actually got my first official paid writing gig, which is super cool. Writing for a company called FTN Fantasy. Um, they're really, really good company. Um, and so I'm kind of shifting my typical repertoire a little bit, not necessarily shifting, but expanding, I should say. Um, to start writing specifically about fantasy football, all of my articles so far, you know, considering the time of the offseason have been talking about dynasty specific, but really excited to see where things go as we get closer and closer to the season actually starting and football heating up. Uh, definitely plan on still writing on my own uh, medium blog whenever I just feel like talking about more general football rather than strictly fantasy stuff. But uh, yeah, really excited. It seems like an awesome opportunity. A lot of really smart people I'm going to be working with and just uh, excited for a uh, uh, chance to keep talking ball which is what i'm looking forward to right now as well dude yeah just wanted to extend the congratulations mick i mean that's that's awesome news man and honestly well deserved we've been reading your your stories and, and your articles for a long time and honestly i mean evan and i talked about this for a while in size as well but like it's just really interesting how you are able to get that high quality video to break down film and then you know talk about it for a little bit and then dive into more film so just you know the preparation that's gone into these articles really, you know, you're just doing it for fun and, and now kind of moving into this new opportunity where you're going to focus predominantly on the fantasy aspect, but it also allows you to have the individuality and creativity that you currently do with your medium.com um, stories. So I think, you know, it's a blessing in disguise because it's not like duplicate it or duplicate work by any means. It's you kind of have, they're separate, you know, entities essentially, right? You can dive into the fantasy for a little bit and then kind of refresh, take a step back, and then get right back into the content that you that you talk about, whether it's basketball, football, the whole nine yards, usually Philadelphia-oriented. So I <laughs> uh, just wanted to extend the congratulations, man, and, and we've been watching you for a while, so super happy for you. I, I definitely appreciate that. It's, uh, it's always good to have some support. It's one of those things where when you're putting some hours in, nice to have some dudes who are always getting your back. So I appreciate all the comments, the feedback, everything. It, it's nice to no, there are some other people that care about this as much as I do. So I definitely appreciate you guys throughout all this. You know, and now we'll have to talk fantasy. I know we're trying to build out more of a fantasy presence this uh, this upcoming NFL season with Cy and um, some of that stuff. So I'm sure we'll have some good discussions on that. But uh, we also got we got the Philly guy on the line. So maybe we'll talk about some <laughs> other sports here. What's the uh, what's the pulse on the 76ers after no Joel Embiid for the first few games here in the Miami series and a and a blowout in game one. It uh, is not looking good, that's for sure. Um, I, I, the Sixers don't stand a chance if, without Embiid. Like, they can, you know, maybe steal a game or two here or there, but it was pretty obvious even in the first half when the Sixers kept it close last night that they were just a far worse team without Joel Embiid compared to the Miami Heat, who are just one of the deepest teams in the entire Eastern Conference and can kind of beat you in a multitude of ways. Um, 
I know Doc Rivers got a lot of crap for last night, but I, I will tip the hat. He at the very least tried new things, um, ran out some different lineups to try and give Miami some different looks. But if James Harden's not an MVP candidate, this, the Sixers can't win this series unless Embiid plays just on a complete God mode level, um, it, it, even in a down down an O2 hole, if that's what it looks like for game three and, and forward. But man, it's uh, not looking great so far. Yeah, I don't see how you guys are going to win a single game that Embiid's not on the floor for. I mean, your backup centers are just atrocious. So, well, and the other, the, the matchup isn't easy because if you, like you said, I, I didn't watch the game one, but I assume you tried to play a little small ball here and there. But, like, Miami is not going to have any problems at all matching up with a small ball lineup, although they were about Kyle Lowry in game one. But, yeah, I think it's going to be tough. But I think it's, it's funny I, with the Ben Simmons saga as well. We were talking about after that trade, it was like, you know, ever, everyone had to have an opinion on who won that trade. And then it came to a point where it was like, oh, maybe this is just a win-win. I think everyone was wrong. <laughs> I think it was a lose-lose because Ben didn't play a single game. And then Harden, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't look like his old self. But, uh, yeah, we'll see how the NBA goes. It's starting to get down to, uh, I guess we're at four teams, four teams of conference here. So I didn't even I'm- see the 76ers play last night. I saw the Houston Rockets. It literally reminded me of like the old Rockets basketball games where Harden's just chucking up 40 shots a game. Uh, so, you know, they definitely in, – in, you know, Philadelphia has is, is drafted super well over the years. So, um, I'm not sure if you guys saw the clip where Harden clearly had uh, some type of issue with his teammate. He tried to sit next to him to resolve it on the sidelines. And the moment that uh, Harden moved – It was Maxi. <laughs> That was why The other guy got up, and he just he, – he wanted nothing to do with Harden. So, they got to clean that stuff up over there. Yeah, that was Tyrese Maxey, who, with Embiid hurt, is is our best player right now. Um, I would argue that right now James Harden is probably our third best player. I know this podcast has uh, poked some fun at Tobias Harris in his contract before, but he's been the the Sixers' best player in a, a couple games this playoff series, and that's including a couple Embiid played in round one. So tip, tip of the hat to Tobias. Wish his efforts were going a little further right now. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's not looking pretty, but I, I do – see some signs of optimism for Harris Maxie's a superstar. And then Harden, it's just like, I'm praying that somehow this is just a hamstring, like lingering injury, not a he's washed, but the uh, odds of that are getting worse and worse every day. It looks like. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, theoretically, if MB comes back for game three at home, you haven't really lost anything because all you need is one of the road games, but uh, Zach, you got any other, you got any other topics you want to cover well, before hey, we man, jump you're in? The, you're wearing the Canes jersey, Ev. I mean, they strong win last night. Uh, unpredicted, I guess, unfavored win, despite the fact that it was at home. Uh, yeah, what were the odds? And in, in, by the way, who are they playing? I, I just am glad we bet on it because we won a little bit of money last night. <laughs> yeah, they, so <laughs> they, they were like minus 120, so they were slight favorites, but they just oh, dominated okay. home in the playoffs. And, like, they're, they're playing the Bruins, who aren't the same old uh, same old Bruins. So they're just a much better team. So I think the line is just way too low. We're on our backup goalie for the first couple of games, which maybe is why, but I don't know. As a biased Canes fan, um, that home home ice advantage just makes a big difference. So early on, but I lo- NHL playoffs are the best. Like, I don't watch a ton of NHL during the season, but NHL playoffs are so fun. The atmospheres are amazing. The competitiveness is great. Obviously, there were a bunch of blowouts last night, but plus, I just love wearing the uh, I love wearing the hockey sweaters as you know, basically just hoodies and loungewear during the uh, season. So, a long road ahead, but hopefully, uh, hopefully, a Stanley Cup run in the uh, in the Canes this year. But we'll see how it goes. That's it for me. Want to jump into the topic? Let's go ahead and do it. Um, 
maybe you can kick us off here. I think you were the one yeah. that initiated it, or you and Mick maybe came up with it together, but it's a fantastic topic. Yeah, so obviously last week, NFL draft is wrapped. Um, we've seen some post-draft free agent signings as well. Unfortunately, we did sort of do our live draft episode, um, but uh, in all of my brilliance, I forgot to hit the record button. So you won't see any of that content. Uh, luckily, it was mainly just me and Cy jabbering for three hours anyway. Um, but it was a, an insane NFL draft, tons of trades. Um, obviously, no quarterbacks really this year. So that added to some of the craziness. But we're going to do basically give our I guess we'll do do five maybe. I don't know if, if five will take too long, if we should only do three. I know Sai's going to join us later, but thinking our top five most improved teams from the NFL offseason. So taking the draft into account, free agency into account, um, and trades from the offseason. And again, not our top five power rankings per se, our top five most improved teams. So a little nuance there. So, um, Dolan, you want to kick us off? I guess sure. we do this. We got to decide, are we doing this in any particular order or are we just maybe spitballing names out there? I don't know. I say we just spitball them out. I don't know if I can rank them. We might have to do two. It's hard to rank them, yeah. (laughs) I didn't come in ranked, but uh, I'm happy to kick it off. We can, I I can give a little monologue and then we can, you know, pass it over to you guys and switch teams however we're going to go. I'm I'm cool with doing it pretty free flowing, Um, but I think. Hometown team here. Hometown team here. Got to show some love to the Denver Broncos. I think anytime you add a quarterback who is a borderline Hall of Famer, probably at least on that trajectory, um, it, it does a lot for your offense. Um, and that's when you're bumping up from like a league average quarterback. And what they got last year was far, far below league average play. Um, it'll be super interesting to see how they hang in what's going to be an absolutely loaded AFC West. Um, but their defense was probably one of the best in the league. It'll be interesting to see how well that translates without Vic Fangio now that he's out of the picture. Um, but adding Russell Wilson, it looks like Javante Williams is poised for a massive, massive breakout year. I think Jerry Judy's going to be healthy. The rest of the receiving cores is going to be healthy. I, I think that offense is going to be able to move the ball pretty well. Even So even if the defense takes a slight step back due to the coaching change, um, I think the Broncos are going to be in a really, really good spot heading into the season. Um, but it is pretty crazy to think that being in that good of a spot could have them sitting at third or fourth in the AFC West, even if they are a better football team. Yeah. That's a lot of division. I like, yeah, it's going to be a crazy division this year. I mean, no, no mistake about it. Uh, Heads and heads and shoulder, like above any other number two division, in my opinion. Um, All right. Well, I'm going to pick on uh, maybe kind of an unorthodox team because I know some of the teams that Ev's going to pick he's got inherent (laughs) biases towards, uh, one team on the West Coast and one team on the, on the East Coast. So I'm going to ignore both of them. And- Are you telling me that I'm going to be the biased one on this podcast? Because just wait. I mean, I know the I know the Eagles are coming up there from the bottom of your screen. <laughs> and when Cy joins, you know he's saying the Colts. So don't yeah, no, call me the biased one on this podcast. But you take <laughs> an Indianapolis Colts moratorium. I mean, we talk about it in the most ridiculous ways. Like sometimes Cy is able to bring the Indianapolis Colts up out of out of thin air it doesn't make any sense it's actually really impressive he probably deserves an award um all right but i'm gonna bring up the minnesota vikings actually and uh not just the fact that they were able to really beef up on their their corners and their uh just like their secondary for the most part uh, but it's really a wide open division this year with green bay still not investing in in a wide receiver um you know Lazard is currently listed as their number one I mean that division is wide open certainly don't trust Chicago 
Detroit will be better, but I think Minnesota can really take full command of the NFC North. And the reason I, I believe that is because you've got two amazing wide receivers on the, on the twin sides. You've got um, one of the best running backs, backup running backs, and then they just drafted a new guy as well. Um, I believe he was the kid out of Chapel Hill. Um, I forget his name is escaping me, but you got the run, you know, you got the run game settled. You've got Kirk Cousins, who's one of, you know, a very above average play action quarterback and, and someone I, I certainly trust in. And Minnesota has certainly allocated a lot of money to. So, you know, they've beefed up the offensive line they did with this draft with the, uh, the second round guard. And then they got Darashad of Virginia Tech, the left tackle last year. And then this, um, this draft in particular, they really invested in a lot of guys. So they got Booth, uh, the cornerback out of Clemson, who I've been watching for a long time. Really, really big physical corner. Reminds me of Xavier Rhodes. Back when Xavier Rhodes was really detrimental and, and lethal, um, kind of on the defensive front in Minnesota. And then lastly, um, it's, you know, with Harrison Smith, who's one of our, you know, the greatest safeties um, in the league right now, he is getting a little bit older. So they're still going to play him, but they also got another safety as well. I believe the, the safety out of Georgia, Louis, uh, Louis Cine, um, I, I forget how to, to pronounce that, but Cine. I watched him. Yeah, he's, he's a fantastic player and one of the five Georgia defensive players that was drafted in the first round. So definitely wanted to give Minnesota a shout out. Yeah, I really, really like what Minnesota did um, in the draft. And it was a little unorthodox, which I think is one of the reasons I was so intrigued by it. They, um, kind of just decided to take the shotgun approach and say, we're going to get a bunch of picks, which is something every team says they're going to do every year. But then you realize like that very rarely actually happens in practice because they get very tied to certain prospects. They said, this is a weak draft class rather than trying to take a couple of the top tier guys who aren't as top tier as you normally see, we're going to get a bunch of second round picks, a bunch of day, day three picks and just kind of load up, plug some holes. It's new general manager. I, I can't, remember exactly how to say his name. I think it's Kwesi something. I uh, don't want to butcher it too much, but he's a very analytically driven guy. And I thought it was super, super interesting to say, hey, I'm not going to come in here and get my fingerprints on everything. I'm just going to get a bunch of good football players and raise the floor of this team before tinkering too much. So I really, really like their approach. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out with a uh, good yet limited, I will say, quarterback in Kirk Cousins. Um, they're, they're one of the better football teams still. Hey, that is actually really interesting, Mick. Just to touch on that, their GM that they just brought in, I don't believe he has any, like, pro football experience. He's like a J.P. Morgan exec, and he's amazing with numbers and making good decisions in high-pressure situations. So, like, he's he's very different from, you know, of what you would think the common GM that at least has tangible NFL experience. So I'm, I might be getting that wrong. I have to check that. Um, but uh, that's, that's definitely my takeaway from him, too. Really impressed. I remember it was a very – unique background. I read an article about him not too long ago in the offseason as well. He, he did spend a good amount of time um, coming up through the ranks with the Browns, I know. But uh, before that, it was a pretty late transition to football. Yeah. And they got Kevin O'Connell in there now, too. Kirk's uh, Kirk's boy. So see how it goes. And, you know, the opposite of the Broncos, like they actually maybe have an opportunity to uh, capitalize on, on some of the weaknesses the Packers have seen, which maybe we can touch on a little bit later. Um, how they approach the draft, but uh, I'm going to take this down south. I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins. Um, obviously, bringing in Mike McDaniel instead of Brian Flores this offseason, you know, had some questions. You know, Flores did, did a nice job there. Did he deserve to be fired? But I think now that you've seen the offseason play out and you've seen the kind of talent they've been able to bring in, they're basically rebuilding San Francisco, right? Tua and Jimmy G are 
for me, like spot on comparisons, which I think is hilarious, like similar type of quarterbacks, I think even in Tua's prime, I think that's the type of quarterback he's going to be, which is, yes, a knock on Tua. So I don't think he's particularly good, but the running backs are similar. They got Chase Edmonds now. They brought in Moster, who's never going to be on the field because he's going to be injured the whole time. But regardless, Edmonds is solid. You look at the wide receivers, obviously bringing in Tyree Hill is, is massive. Um, but you also have Jalen Waddle developing in his second year. They have Gasicki, the 49ers, to George Kittle. And they brought in Alec Ingold to use that fullback role that uh, Usechak plays, uh, plays in for the Niners. So I, th- I really – they're rebuilding the San Francisco thing. They got Armstead to beef up the offensive line. That's the biggest thing for them, that they need the offensive line play to be a lot better. Uh, and if the defense plays like it does two years ago, um, I think they could they could maybe make some noise. And, and what's a crazy AFC, but, um, you know, and Mike McDaniel has evil genius vibes. Um, he's a super weird guy, but if you listen to his interviews, he seems like a, <laughs> an absolutely brilliant guy. So they've, uh, you know, kind of rebuilt things nicely there. Obviously, Tyree Kill being the, uh, the big addition. I've got three problems with your argument. So number one, you just compared Mike Kosicki to – George Kittle, not going to let that fly. Um, number two, uh, Mike McDaniels, I think, is going to be so overwhelmed with head coaching responsibilities. He's a genius. Uh, he doesn't have as much, you know, football or playing experience, but that's not an issue because he draws up the most creative offenses of all time. But when you get pulled into a head coaching um, kind of responsibility, you have so many different things. I hope he doesn't get inundated in the details as a first-time head coach. So still don't necessarily trust him. And then thirdly, um, Tua is great uh, mid-range and short-range, flat slants. Uh, you're talking about a deep threat like Tyreek Hill. Can he even get him the ball? Because by the time Tyreek, I can't, I can't imagine I'm saying this, but like he's probably the only guy that could do this. He will literally outrun the football. So can Tua get him that? Those are my questions. <laughs> so to number three, though, the, the Chiefs weren't really able to do that this year either because of how, and that was more how defenses were playing them. But defenses were saying, all right, I'm done with the 80 yard bombs to Tyreek. Like you can get it to him short and then he's just going to run in between and around us, which is exactly what he did, but they weren't even able to get Tyreek, you know, the ball downfield as well, but yeah, to a sucks. That's the problem. So I, that's, what's going to hold him back. I think, I think the big difference is between how defenses stopped the chiefs last year though, is you kind of needed to allocate extra portions of your defense to stopping that deep ball and to stopping Tyreek killed down the field. Whereas with the Dolphins, if two is what it sounds like we kind of think he is, uh, you might not have to do that. And so I, I'm very interested to see if defenders are like, no, 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 Tua, we understand Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waller out here. Can you beat us? Um, I, I think how they play him is going to be a real sign of like, okay, what do other defenses really think of this guy at quarterback, which is ultimately, as is with most other teams, uh, what I think will ultimately break, make or break their season is how good is Tua Tagovailoa. And I wrote about this a couple weeks back. I think that it was very clear that Brian Flores, before he got fired, did not believe in him. And so it'll be very interesting if after all this, he's the one that has the last laugh, last laugh and it's just like, I, I told you guys, like, he ain't it. But management sure seems to uh, think otherwise, and they're giving him a chance to prove it. Uh, he gets one year, and then Tom Brady will be the quarterback next year. But <laughs> <laughs> Dolan, what do you got? What's your second team? Um, this one, I, I think you guys, it's going to sound like are going <laughs> to disagree with me a little bit here. This is not my, my big one that I know, uh, um, you guys are preparing for, but contrarian take, I actually think the green Bay Packers got a lot better this off season. Um, seems insane to think that that's possible without Devonte Adams, but going into the draft, I kind of thought whichever team 
just says we're going to take the strategy of drafting as many Georgia defenders as possible is going to come out with a noticeably better, noticeably better defense. I think the impact that their two first round picks, um, Wyatt and, and who is the other one? Uh, I'm already drawing a blank. Uh, Quay. Quay, Quay Walker. Yeah, they, um, they're just going to, I think they're just going to ball out. I think they're going to make this defense so much better. And if Aaron Rodgers is the $50 million quarterback that we think he is, you don't need a number one receiver. If you're that good and you're protected, which he'll still be working behind a solid offensive line, like you better be able to make the offense work on your own. And I think Green Bay just vaulted into the tier of having a very, very good defense. So I realize that's a bit of a contrarian tape, but I think um, I think they're still in my eyes, the favorite to win the NFC this year. Um, and so it's tough to get better when you were already what, like a 12 win team, but I, I think they somehow found a way to do it despite losing one of the best receivers of, in recent memory. Yeah, I don't agree with your take that they got better, but I do agree with your general mindset of like, this is how the Packers do it. They've been doing it like this for years. Um, so like sticking to the model of, you know, of, you know, just, I don't know, drafting solid guys on defense, building up a defense. Plus with Aaron, it's like you said, like he can win with anyone. Um, so he's got a real raw guy in Christian Watson. So we'll see how that goes, but uh, he can win with anyone. So I don't agree with it. They got better, but I still think they're definitely the favorite in the division. If not, uh, if not the conference as a whole. So Zach. All right. So I'm going to bring it back East over here and give the Baltimore Ravens a shout out. I mean, what they did from the draft standpoint, they were ranked, you know, one or two, um, out of the 32 teams based on how they drafted and how they, how they kind of circumvented a lot of their picks, um, including, you know, uh, that one defensive end, uh, his name's escaping me out of Michigan, who probably won't come back um, for, the, I think the it's like a Jabo. Yeah, Jabo. Um, I think he's supposed to be out the first seven or eight weeks of the season, but why rush it when you already have a guy like Clayus Campbell? Their pass rushes, you know, will have an, a, an increased weapon, a guy who would have been a first-round pick. You get Kyle Hamilton to – solidify the safety need with Chuck Clark, uh, who's a fellow Hokie. Um, you also have uh, Marcus Williams out there. So the DBs out there, I mean, it's almost like Ed Reed-like when you, you know, I can't really remember a time where Baltimore had such fearsome uh, DBs out there, especially with Marcus Peters coming back and Marlon Humphreys. You know, they're coming out for redemption against the Cincinnati Bengals and what Jamar Chase did to them last season two times in a row. So I think with a, a healthy defense, plus the way they drafted, I think they're going to kind of pivot back up to the top, that fearsome Ravens defense that we always know and love. And then on the offensive side of things, a little worried about the receivers, but we'll see if the kid from Minnesota that they drafted uh, two years ago, um, you know, he's their number one now. His name's escaping me too. Bateman. But, yep, Bateman. He's I think good. Not, yeah, he is good. And he's a possession-oriented receiver. That is exactly what Lamar needs. He does not need some Hollywood Brown deep threat. Um, and Mark Andrews coming back. Plus, all of their running backs are coming back healthy, too. So don't count out the Baltimore Ravens in 2022. I think that's a good thing, yeah. especially on the draft front. Um, they had a really solid draft. It's going to be interesting. Them and the Bengals is going to be fun this year, man. Because the Bengals aren't the, – the Bengals didn't – you know, they've had a nice offseason as well. So mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to take as big of a step back as, as people think. Don't want any takes on the Ravens. Yeah, they were they were on my list as well. And I think one, they hit a home run in the draft, but I think two, like it's it's kind of cheating, but just all the guys they come they're getting back from injury is going to make them a substantially better football team if they have an ounce of better luck in that department. And and I think they will. Um, I think their moves like trading away Hollywood Brown and swapping him out for a center, uh, drafting a couple tight ends and getting uh, like kind of beefing up the trench play a little bit. 
is a sign that they're most likely going to revert back to what they did in 2019, 2020 and say, hey, we're going to continue running the ball right down your throat with Lamar Jackson. And now, you know, knock on wood, a couple of healthy running backs that uh, know what to do with the ball in their hands. I'm super excited for the Ravens. I do not understand why they are not viewed as one of the AFC's elite tier of teams. I think they've got just as good a shot at the Super Bowl as anybody. See, all right, I'm going to stay in the same division as my first pick. And I'm going to take the team that had one of the best drafts I've seen, you know, maybe in my lifetime, which is the Jets. Obviously, they had tons of picks, but to get Sauce Gardner at four is great value, who wasn't even the first corner off the board, which blows my mind. Um, To get Garrett Wilson as not even the first wide receiver off the board at, what was that, 10 or so, was fantastic value. And then, uh, what is his name, Johnson, the Florida State DN that just completely fell through the first round and to trade back up in the first round and grab him and then get Brees Hall as well. Um, It's hard not – I mean, obviously the Jets are going to jet, but it's hard not to be excited about what you've got at this point, right? you got the quarterback last year. You've got a a really good coach, in my opinion. Um, And now you look at the offense. you got two good running backs. Michael Carter looked very good last year. Um, Elijah Moore looked fantastic last year. They signed Uzama and Conklin and free agency, a couple of tight ends. We'll see how Zach Wilson is, but um, I think, I think they're pretty encouraged by him. And the last couple of years, what they've been doing in their draft is more beefing up in the trenches, right? Uh, Elijah Farrah Tucker last year, Makai Beckton a couple of years ago, they've really been beefing up the offensive and defensive line. And then now you're starting to see them bring in those skill position players. So they're in a hard division, a hard conference. They're not necessarily going to compete this year. Um, but I think as a Jets fan for the first time in forever, there's a um, ton of reason for, for optimism with what they're building. Now that you start to see it in skill position, more sexy names as opposed to the guys in the trenches. But Yeah, I, I think especially uh, in a lot of those names you mentioned, the, on the offensive side of the ball is where the Jets are really going to take a step forward. I think because they were so bad in general last year, people didn't realize that it was their defense that was substantially worse than their offense. And Zach Wilson definitely showed some flashes, you know, this time uh, towards the end of the year. So I, I do think a lot of those increased weapons, hopefully beefing up some of the trench, trench play a little bit. Um, and then just, you know, some natural progression from year one to year two, that that offense, I think, is going to take a pretty sizable step forward. I think even with the additions of Sauce and Jermaine Johnson, that defense still has too many holes and they're still going to be one of the worst. But I think they are taking a massive step in the right direction towards creating something you can build upon in theory with a a pretty stacked offense and then saying, Hey, you know what? We want to make sure we develop our quarterback, put him in a position to succeed. And once we figure that out, we'll deal with building a complete roster and and attacking the defensive side of the ball afterwards. So I I do like what they're, what they're doing in New York, but I kind of like you agree that they're definitely still going to be one of the worst teams from a strictly win loss perspective in the, in the NFL. So we'll make it one, one more time through. We'll see if Cy joins. So if you've got, if you've been saving one, which I know Dolan has been, uh, use it now. Use it now. Yeah, I guess with that uh, precursor, I can go. It, it's hard not to get super excited about what the Eagles have done this offseason. Um, I think a lot of people were underwhelmed with the relatively quiet free agency with Hassan Reddick really being their only big signing. Um, they, you know, added some depth pieces, uh, brought – brought a couple guys back but didn't do anything super exciting there but their pass rush was pretty awful last year for a team that tends to prioritize that area of their football team and so adding Reddick alone um, is going to be a huge boost and then on draft night is when they really decided to uh, cause some earthquakes I think Jordan Davis like 
I know he was the 13th overall pick, but I think he's like going to be the guy who in a couple of years from now is still going to be viewed as the steal of the draft. I know a lot of people are claiming that about the Eagles third round pick, Nicobe Dean, who, like I was talking about with the Packers, I think the strategy of let's just draft from the Georgia defense um, is going to look like a genius move in a couple of years. I think it's going to look like exactly what drafting from the Bengals off or not the Bengals, <laughs> same thing, the LSU offense um, a couple of years ago looked like. Um, when that team was trotting out Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Clyde, who, you know, didn't work quite as well, and Terrace Marshall. I think the Georgia defense is on that level. So super, super excited about the additions of Jordan Davis uh, and Nicobe Dean to that defense. And then all of this excitement is, you know, before even mentioning the, the name A.J. Brown, who is, in my opinion, one of the probably four or five best receivers in the league. And this was pre-Eagles bias. Um, and so all offseason, all I really wanted the Eagles to do offensively was get a solid number two receiver. Um, and instead, what they did was draft someone better than Devontae Smith, who I think had a great rookie year, um, make him the number two. And, and they added a guy who just I think is going to absolutely change the dynamic of their entire offense. And similar to what we were saying about Tua, um, Jalen Hurts is going to have a really big opportunity to say, like, hey, are you the guy? Are you a good enough quarterback? You guys know as well as anybody I am probably irrationally high on the Jalen Hurts train, um, but I, I think the offense is in for really big things. And I think the, the defense, especially on the, the front line, took a huge, huge, got a huge, huge improvement this year. So I am, I'm excited and I will stop talking now. Otherwise I will just uh, go on and on and on. Yeah, maybe I quickly chime in here. I really like those points. I, I totally agree with you. I think the NFC East for the most part drafted really well, maybe with the exclusion of Dallas, that Washington, Philly and New York uh, did a really good job. Um, um, but one thing that was that struck me the most when you were um, when you were kind of referencing the Eagles, Dolan, was moving Smith to the number two wide receiver. And I really like that because I've witnessed it myself with my own team, the Atlanta Falcons, and watching Calvin Ridley thrive off of number two corners with number one wide receiver skill set. And so when Julio was, you know, pretty much being shadowed by a corner and a safety at all times. Ridley was able to eat. He was a double digit touchdown scorer and had over a thousand yards in his prime year the year before, you know, obviously the debacle that unfolded this offseason. Um, but I really do think Devonta Smith could have similar numbers just because of the pure route running ability and just the knack for finding the end zone. So, you know, AJ Brown kind of reminds me of like a, like a Julio build. And he's certainly going to be very, very feared on the field. People know where AJ Brown is at all times. Um, and that really could open the floor for a guy like Devonta, who was really shadowed by number one corners um, and really having Jalen Hurts run for his life. So Jalen now kind of in a more structured role, being able to see the field better and have two receivers get open on a consistent basis. That's dangerous. That's really dangerous, especially when you def when you drafted predominantly defensively. So thought it was just a hats off by by Howie, who's gotten flack before for the, the TCU grab with the <laughs> But he's certainly uh, been resilient in this effort and excited to see what they do this season. Yeah, I think the, uh, the Eagles definitely have to be on the list. I, I think the draft, like you said, the draft was great. I think Jordan Davis picking up the center. We'll see what N'Kobe Dean does once he takes his, uh, presumably, I guess, a red shirt year. Um, and, like, draft what you're it good sounds at. Sounds like he's going to play. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and draft what you're good at, right? Like you guys are historically horrendous at drafting wide receivers, which makes no sense given the last couple of years how receivers are done. But you're good at drafting the trenches. So you draft in the trenches and you trade for the wide receiver. 
Um, I have no problem with the trade. I don't know, love the 25 million tag on AJ Brown, who's been misses four games a year um, and drops a, a crap ton of passes. But um, yeah, Jalen Hurts is making like four million dollars this year. You can afford fair. to overpay for fair. a wide receiver. Well, that's my other question is I do not I don't believe in Jalen's passing. Um, I, I do like that you guys are going to continue to pound the rock um and and use his legs as well i don't believe in his passing but uh yeah i'm not looking forward to aj brown and Devontae smith and dallas goddard um on, on a team that that can run it down your throats at will and has a quarterback out of the backfield that can uh can run circles around you so um definitely they've had a good offseason i i want to let si in. he's uh he's waiting in the chat here as well um so let me good in, time in, in him here yeah We'll give them one right, good because I got a I got a serious question for this group before we transition topics. Big right. um, si, sorry we made you wait, but you with us? Oh, iPhone. What's up, Sai? <laughs> your boy, uh, your boy coming off a freshly pulled hamstring. Oh, he got he got he got us all in like four RBIs today and two runs scored, but a very freshly pulled hamstring. But I the could worst. not pass up the opportunity to be on this uh, on this episode. I heard Dolan was going on quite the spiel, boys. So it wasn't bad. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't too bad. I just didn't want to interrupt him. So understood. Uh, understood. Sorry to hear. I was going to ask how the uh, how the game went, what the stats were, but it seems like the uh, the injury bug overshadow, uh, overshadows a nice day at the plate. Yeah. yeah, stats were decent. Injury bug not the best. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll be back out there soon. But uh, we did not win either of the games. But the team camaraderie was mm. great. Um, I brought some, I was chewing on some sunflower seeds and popping some bubbles while I was making plays. So it was good, good, good day for that. Um, good to be on boys. I'm sure I missed quite a bit. Sorry for the late jump on, I guess I'm the guest for today, but um, how y'all doing? How's, how's this conversation been going? Dolan, I'm guessing you got a lot of good things to say about the Eagles. I would too, if I was, if I was in your shoes. Um, Zach, I'm, I'm curious, did you talk about your Falcons pick yet? No, actually, I've been ignoring them. Uh, I did want to mention uh, something about the uh, – what I was going to say wiffle ball, Ev, because of all the summers we played wiffle ball together. But in terms of the rec softball league, as bad as your – you know, that event was with you getting injured, pulling the, the hamstring, I feel like I might have you beat. Uh, the last softball game I played, I slid in the third in Charlotte, and then the third baseman tried to fight me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's safe to say I've I've hung up the uh, the glove there in that sport and uh, and gone on to other endeavors. Um, so you know that was interesting in a co-ed softball league. I was taking it maybe a little bit too seriously. So hey man, I love a good I love a good chirp session. You know, I'm trying to throw start. hands, but I love I love a good man. chirp session out there on the uh, out there on hey, the listen, pitch. Man, Zach, you did the right thing, bro sliding is what you should be doing that's on the third baseman if you can't if you can't understand the fundamentals all right call we'll call him out every time every time gentlemen it's pleasure beyond um zach right. i'm ready to jump dove into those falcons though bro wait i think i think dolan had a hold on we gotta finish Do dolan oh, had a, he's he's excited dolan. to ask a question yeah so. the the spiel is over but like as an eagles fan i think the cowboys got legitimately worse this offseason i think they you know Lost a couple kind of key contributors, Amari Cooper being the big one. I know they lost a couple trench players as well. Um, and the Eagles, like I was just, you know, ranting about, I think got substantially better. Are the Eagles the favorite in the NFC East right now? I, from a very, very biased perspective, I will 100% admit that. think the answer is legitimately yes, or at the very least, it's close to a coin flip. Would love to hear some unbiased opinions on how ludicrous that take is. I don't think it's ludicrous at all. I mean, I'll come in hot and 
not waste any time, but I don't think it's ludicrous at all. I personally think the Eagles are the best team in, in, in that conference I, or in that division. I don't think the Cowboys are going to be like as that much worse than people are making them out to be. I do agree losing Amari Cooper was a big loss, but I think CeeDee Lamb is ready to take over as that number one. I think he's been ready to take over as that number one. Um, Zeke has been a little bit wishy-washy, but I think Tony Pollard has been a fine backup, and I think we could probably see a better season from Zeke. I don't think their offensive line is that much worse. Um, their defense is still pretty intact. Micah Parsons was insane last year. Obviously, they have Mr. Interception at, at cornerback, albeit not the best and not letting up yards. So I still think the Cowboys will be good, but if I had to pick a team to win that division, it's the Eagles for me just because of the improvements that y'all made. I will say, though, I don't know if Zach and Ev touched on this. I actually don't know how I feel about that um, A.J. Brown acquisition in the sense of I think he's going to be amazing for your team, but was it worth giving up a first and third round pick and then paying the guy $100 million after two or three seasons? That That is a question that I have for myself. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm excited Titans in my division aren't going to happen, but <laughs> I am curious to see y'all's perspective on, on if you thought he is worth that. Um, I guess the receiver market is hot, but I am curious to see what y'all's opinion is on that too so i guess now we have two questions yeah i mean i think if you draft a receiver in the first round and he turns into aj brown you're you're ecstatic so trading the pick and you know throw a third round in there um for you know a guaranteed thing totally worth it in my book and i was just saying this before you hopped on jalen hurts is making four million dollars this year or something like that when you're looking at other quarterbacks making north of 40 i'm okay with paying overpaying i'll even admit maybe aj brown um Fair when point. you're able to have that much cap flexibility due to having a rookie QB. So we'll see. It's up to Jalen Hurts now. But I, I obviously love the move. Uh, fair point. I'll kick it over to Zach uh, to get his thoughts. Yeah, you know, I, I, I see your point there, Mick, but I think you're getting a little bit too excited. And the reason I say that <laughs> is because Philadelphia uh, played from behind the majority of the season last, last year. Uh, they had that, uh, you know, iconic comeback in, in Charlotte last season um, and I was out watching the game with a, a ton of my buddies. Actually, you know, Cy, we were coming back from the South Carolina game that weekend when yep. Philly was playing there. So we caught the tail end of it. And, you know, Philly, you know, came back from like a 19-7 deficit, came back and won. And that was very, um, you know, instrumental in like how the trajectory of their season went, right? Because I think they went like 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight or 9-7 and seven or whatever. The, I guess it was like 9-8 and eight in the 17-game season. So overall, my point is, despite the fact that they were able to get to the playoffs, you know, there was a little bit of luck involved and it was like, OK, fourth quarter, Jalen Hurts is going to do miraculous things and somehow pull them back into this game. So I would like to see a little bit more structure before I call them the division favorites, despite the fact that Dallas did not draft well in comparison to the rest of the NFC East teams. Um, and also the fact that Amari Cooper left. And if you look at Dax Prescott's stats with Amari Cooper in comparison to without Amari Cooper, kind of that clutch um, possession-oriented receiver that allows CD to kind of, you know, get, get more open on, on deep routes and Michael Gallup, et cetera. They also lost Cedric Wilson. So, you know, I, I, it, there are dangers with Dallas, but I still think Dallas is the, is the favorite. And I honestly think Washington could be a kind of a dark horse team too. That's a high-end Cooper statistics nugget, Zach. I like that. But uh, Sai, si, I'll give you both. I had a similar take on A.J. Brown. I actually have no problem with the draft capital, um, somewhat jokingly because the Eagles have been so horrible at drafting wide receiver in the last few years, uh, but also not joking. So it's like, all right, we can't draft receivers. Our receiver scouts must just suck. I don't know. So I have no problem with the draft, like trading for him. 
Um, but this receiver bubble is nuts. Like 25 million for a guy that in my book is not a top 10 receiver, especially on a team that's run first. Like, but that's a good point on Hertz making basically nothing for, but that's kind of a for now situation. If Hertz is your franchise quarterback, sure. But if he's not the guy, you're going to have to go find a guy and he's probably not going to be paying, making 5 million. So the receiver bubble is so interesting. I, you know, you got to do what you got to do, I guess, but I kind of like what, like, obviously the Titans took a huge hit going down from AJ Brown to a rookie in Burks, but like, I kind of like what teams are doing in that regard, like Devontae Adams, Tyree Kill. Like, I, I kind of think that's a, a sustainable front office approach. And I mean, I'm obsessed with Terry McLaurin. I think he's underrated and with good quarterback play, but it's like, can like, can I make sense of paying him $25 million? Like $25 million goes a long way in the NFL. So that's kind of my problem with is the number. But, uh, and in terms of the Eagles, um, I agree with Zach that I think there's going to be some natural regression because you guys had the, the Washington football team from the year before situation where you play all backup quarterbacks, like the entire season. Um, but the schedule also, since you didn't win the division, isn't going to be all that much harder this year. Um, so, and I, I don't necessarily, like, I think the Cowboys are, you know, quite a bit worse. I disagree with you guys. I, I do think they take a big step back this year. Um, and we have a lot of question marks. Like I think, I think any of those three teams and I don't think the giants are going to be awful either. So I think it's going to be a usual kind of, they're going to beat each other up. I don't really know who's going to come out on top. I maybe pick the Eagles if I, you know, gun to my head right now, but I think all three of those teams, excluding the giants, but also the giants, I don't think are a complete. I have two hot takes actually based off what Evan just said. I actually think the giants have the best off season out of, out of all those teams um, because I legitimately believe the giants are, way better than they were last year, just just the draft alone. I mean, granted, they have the draft capital, so similar to Jets' situation, but they addressed their offensive line, and they addressed their defensive line in a big way with their picks, and I'm a firm believer in building from the trenches, and maybe that's my bias is having bowed as a GM with the way we've drafted, but I believe that they have improved significantly. I'm not saying that they're going to go win the division this year, but I think they took a huge step forward, um, and I think they will – steal some games and, and I, it would not surprise me if they, if they made some noise in the division. I also will also say this. I do still think the Eagles will win the division, but if you ask me who the best receiver in that division is, my answer is actually CD lamb. I, I have, I mean, if you go watch the tape, if you go watch the tape last year, like I understand that AJ Brown's numbers have been terrific the last two years, but AJ Brown also just gets way more play in that Titans offense as, as the number one, especially with Julio being hurt. CD without Amari is that number one option. Like he is unbelievable. The, what he can do as a one-on-one player. And I'm so excited to see what he does as that number one option with Gallup as the two and not having Amari in that offense, because I think it means more targets for him. And I think he's going to be the best receiver in that division. I think he's going to be one of the best receivers in football next year, just from game tape. That's how I feel about CD lamb. So I will say that. And, um, I mean, AJ Brown's getting paid like Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams, and that's the part that bothers me a little bit. Like, I, I granted, I will say it's not nearly as bad as Christian Kirk with the Jaguars, <laughs> so at least we can hang our hat on that one and make and and point that out. But I, that's that bothers me a little bit. But I do agree with you, Dolan, that if your goal is to win now and Hertz is making four million, you got to make moves, and at least you know you got a sure thing. So I, 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 I relate to that point. Plus, another thing that I think is kind of getting lost in this comparison of A.J. Brown's contract slash money to the Tyree Kills and Devontae Adams. One, he got a, a couple million less than those guys. And two, he's like four or five years younger, which I think it's very, very That's lost true. in this. Like A.J. Brown is 
I believe, entering the prime of his career, as is CeeDee Lamb. I also love CeeDee Lamb. I wish he wasn't on the Cowboys so I could genuinely root for him because I think he's such a fun football player. But, um, yeah, I, I think both of those guys, it, it, we're going to kind of blink and be like, where on earth did all of these studly NFC East receivers come from? And it's going to be pretty exciting. Uh, I think Terry McLaurin, honestly, is not far off from either of those two either. But like Evan was saying, some some quarterback uh, struggles over the past couple of years haven't let him showcase that as much as you'd like to see. I think they're. I think both receivers are like systematically appropriate for the offensive schemes that they that they're currently designed in. Like I think AJ Brown is kind of built for this Philadelphia offense, and we were kind of talking about this before, Cy, um, with Devonta Smith. Almost, you know, now going up against that number two corner, and much like Calvin Ridley did back in the Julio days, and being able to exploit that person, you know, for double-digit touchdowns and over a thousand yards. So AJ's kind of like that centerpiece that Philly needed, um, and I don't think CD would translate as well for what Philly's trying to do. Um, and then on the flip side of things, I don't know if AJ Brown would be perfectly appropriate in Dallas's office or offense because Dak likes to get the ball quickly and CD's got a little bit more shake to him. Right. And AJ's a little bit more sturdy, a little bit larger. So just kind of an interesting take there. You know who the worst wide receiver in that, in that entire division is it's Kadarius Tony. So I'm not sure. <laughs> Dude, he was good. I, I don't know. what. This... So this is the problem with Kadarius Tony uh, based off of uh, two sources, TMZ and the athletics. So I'm not sure which one you trust, but Apparently he's getting under a lot of the players' skins because he uh, he thinks he's like the head honcho captain, and he's very undisciplined. He's late to practice. He hasn't been to any of the OTAs. I mean, obviously they're just getting up and st- up and running. But uh, overall, there are players in the locker room that are vehemently upset with him and do not want him on the team much longer. So I, love it. I knew there was something going on when there were trade rumors on it. I was like, he played pretty well, but I didn't, I didn't know that. Yet, but that, there was definitely something there, but all right. We got to jump This is the same guy who showed up to training camp without cleats last year or something like that too. So like, yeah, eventually it sounds like the giants are just fed up with this dude at a certain point and you, you can't blame him. Right. And the only thing worse about that situation about the giants is their quarterback. Si, I agree with you. The rest of their team isn't bad, but you can't you can't win much with Daniel Jones, but we got to get out of the East here. Let Sai get some airtime as well. Sai, we were about to go on our. We were doing. We ended up doing just top three most improved teams. We were about to go through. Well, that was Dolan's third, and then we were about to go through Zach and I's third. But without knowing which teams the rest of us chose, hmm. give us maybe a couple of quick ones so you can catch up to speed here. Um, I like that. And I just want to clarify real quick: is the is the goal with the draft and the offseason right it's not just yeah. it's not just based on draft okay number one for me is the new york jets uh the draft was just insane i mean it was absolutely insane and part of it was luck just the way players fell to them I, the fact that the best receiver and the best corner in that draft in my opinion and two guys that could be generational players at their respective positions both had somebody picked before them so the jets were have them available was insane and then them trading up to get an amazing dn at the end of the first round was just great. Um, that draft alone, I think, uh, made that offseason. And just that paired with some of the offseason moves, I, I just think the Jets have gotten significantly better. Do I think they're going to, you know, win their division now? No, but do I think they're on pace to, if Zach Wilson plays well going forward to be a team that could make noise for the next five to ten years? Yes, I very much believe that. Just number one for me. Number two, all bias aside, I think is my Indianapolis Colts. I 
the trade from Rocky Sin to, for Yannick is probably one of the most underrated moves of the offseason, just with everything else going on. Matt Ryan for a third-round pick with our cap situation was beautiful, especially because the Falcons absorbed a lot of that. Um, we went, and, went ahead and got Stephon Gilmore, which we haven't talked about really on this podcast, but my Gamecock, like, that was just an awesome signing because we replaced Rakia with the former defensive player of the year and a, a pretty lockdown corner to take that spot. And then our draft was awesome. I was really happy with the positions we addre- addressed, especially with us not having a first-round pick. Ballard getting absolute athletes. Like, everyone he drafted just jumps off the paper in the sense of their athleticism, and that's just the kind of drafter he is. As a matter of fact, J- uh, Zach, he drafted your tight end of, out of Virginia Tech, the six seven like 280 like runs like a four five forty beast out of and he's uva yeah i'm sorry yeah, he's not a he's uva i thought he was tech yeah. this whole time with those virginia tech no, he's, my fault. he's arch minute he's arch enemy number one that's what he is oh, i'm sorry my fault my fault i was just excited i thought i thought it was a hokey no him him next to mo alley cox is gonna be is gonna be hilarious you're gonna have like two like six seven like lebron's playing tight end for us so i'm excited about that but no seriously i i'm super happy about our offseason um we addressed the guard we addressed the tackle position we addressed the receiver position in the second round and matt ryan obviously is going to be great and the defense is i think we'll have one of the best defenses in the nfl um without a doubt and then the third one's really hard for me because i think there's a, a lot of options here um this i is will the say one, one I, I what real quick before we move on you the one big thing you forgot um, for the Colts is not only did you get Matt Ryan, but you now also don't have Carson Wentz. So win-win. We so we Carson Wentz was a lot better than Matt Ryan last year, though. Obviously, he was on a much oh, worse okay, situation. Okay, okay, all right. That's Evan, just I, that's right, just Evan, data. I, I, that's exactly. just data. Oh wow, all right, I'm not, I'm <laughs> that's not just a, data. That's I'm just numbers. Take the bait. Take the bait right now. So, but I'm about, to, I'm about to go back and pull so many clips of Evan absolutely trashing Carson Wentz last Sorry, year. Sorry, we've, that, been, we've been through this. I trash him as a human being, as a person, and that will never change. But I admit You also it. didn't give him at credit the, for his play last year. At the year. beginning of Zach the year, can, yes. But I agree. Zach, By the end of the year, Zach I was giving him credit. To that. Zach can attest to that. You flipped your script on Carson Wentz the moment. Some of you, though. The football Some of you, team, though. The commanders traded for him. And I, I, even when we traded him, said I didn't want to trade Carson Wentz. The only reason I was okay with it is because I didn't expect us to get two third round picks for him. And that was like a steal because we lost the trade with the Eagles, but I think we definitely won the trade with y'all getting two third round picks for him and then trading one for Matt Ryan. So I, I think that's about as good as you could have done given the circumstances and given the fact that you guys absorbed his entire contract. Cause I believe that if we traded him, we were going to have to eat some of his contract. So with all that in mind, I was happy with the trade, but I was always defending Carson once and I did not want to trade him. But I also didn't know Matt Ryan was the alternative, and I'm super happy with that. So, Dolan, I agree with you on that. The problem is this third team. Like, I'm really struggling with with the uh, with the third team. I, have you guys even given your third team yet? Um, I don't. Zach, I mean, am I, I going to be first to give that? Or? You you can go last if you want. Dolan's given his three. Zach, do you want to give your third and let Sai think a little bit? Yeah, I might get kicked out of here. The uh, security guard just came in and gave me uh, gave me a second warning, so he's not too ha- too uh, happy with me. But all right, we're approaching an hour anyway. Maybe we should just fire off some honorable mentions that weren't. Uh, all right, I'll give a quick one. Uh, those are the Kenny Chesney concert in Charlotte. Brought the parents down. It was so much fun. Kenny C brought all the Panthers out, and Christian McCaffrey signed a football, and I was like, oh, that's now worth millions of dollars. Whoever gets that. Then Sam Darnold and Matt Rule decided to take their pen <laughs> up, and now it's worthless. So 
despite that, I will give a shout out to the Panthers. I do think that, you know, infrastructurally, their defense is, is in a winnable position, top 10 defense in the league. Christian McCaffrey's coming back healthy. They just drafted one of the best left tackles in the, um, in the draft, in my opinion. And DJ Moore is a pretty, a pretty big stud. So if they can figure out, figure out that quarterback situation, maybe Darnold comes back, makes an impact. They're not going after Baker. Maybe Matt Corral is their guy, one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the league last year from Ole Miss. Who knows? They're one piece away, but if they can get it done, I really do think that team is potentially playoff caliber. I've heard that one before. I like I like, I like Ev's reaction to that. His face the whole time was amazing. I can't describe that side. stretch. <laughs> Continue the podcast well without me. I'm getting summoned out by a security guard. All right, all right, all right, brother. Easy, spot, See y'all. What a world. I can't subscribe to his Panthers take at all. Um, the other one is, is maybe hard, given that we've all kind of been around and mentioned a, a squad here. Um, I think that the AFC West team is kind of early in the offseason. Obviously, the Chargers and Khalil Mack um, and the Raiders getting Devontae Adams. I think both of those teams got better. Um, they were already good. So um, and the Chiefs, I think, did actually a decent job in the draft. You know, and they lost Tyreek Hill, so it's going to be hard to replace that. But I think that division, Dolan mentioned the Broncos earlier, that division snugs up. Um, Pretty good, um, given what those teams did. But otherwise, I think that's kind of everyone. Ironically. The Chargers weren't said until now. Um, I think maybe maybe a little draft recency bias is where yeah. we're thinking. But I think, I, I think their offseason right. is amazing. Khalil Mack alone is just an absolute game changer. And then you throw on everything else on top Jackson. of him. J.C. Jackson, um, bringing back Mike, Mike Williams. Williams, who I don't yep. think Mike Williams is great. Talk about a guy who's not worth $20 million a year. I think you're, sure. you're looking at Mike Williams. Um, a little better than Christian Kirk, but I uh, would much rather pay AJ Brown 25 than Mike Will 20. But that's maybe that's just again the bias kicking in. I agree with that. I think, I think uh, the draft recency got to me as well because I think that division has several teams that you can make that argument for. So I was right about that. Actually, I would probably pick the Raiders or the, or the Giants as my third team because I think Devontae Adams is genuinely that incredible. Um, and the fact that him and um, Derek Carr played together at Fresno State, uh, I think is going to translate big when, when they play together this year. Uh, and then the Giants, I just touched on them. I think they really, really built their trenches. I'm not saying them improving means they're going to be a very competitive team this year, but I think that really helps establish their future, especially if, you know, they make their decision about whether Daniel Jones or somebody else is their quarterback of the future. So I'm very excited to kind of see what they do um, going forward, but they really solidify those trenches. So those would be my three. I am curious, who are y'all's first two? So we didn't really go in order per se, um, like you did, but my other two were Jets as well and Miami. Miami. Okay. I said, I said Denver and Philly. Uh, Baltimore was my third, um, but Zach took them, so I actually pivoted to Green Bay, which is a bit of a contrarian approach. But I think their defense got wow. so much better this offseason, and I think Aaron Rodgers can muster up enough offense without Devonte Adams to be able to have them be really good. Uh, I was saying earlier, I think. Drafting from that Georgia defense, we're going to look back at that in three to five years and be like, this is the same impact that drafting from that LSU offense a couple of years ago had. I think that defense was that good. And I think the Packers are going to shut down some teams this year. Um, and Aaron Rodgers is always going to get the headlines, but I think that's going to be the reason they're they're, they're still my NFC favorite. And so I think defensive improvements are why. I was wondering if any of y'all would give my Colts some love, but I guess uh, 
<laughs> we were waiting. They, we heard they you were coming. Yeah, they would have. They actually probably would have been uh, maybe my third, given the teams that everyone else cho- chose. Maybe the Raiders, but I knew you were going to say them, so I wanted to save. Yeah, one, that's save one them that for have, your appearance. One that I okay. have, uh, not like the top top tier, but I think a team that did get a lot better that I think will spur an interesting conversation um, is Pittsburgh. I, I legitimately think with yes. how poorly. Ben Roethlisberger played last year, even if they didn't draft Kenny Pickett, I think they were getting an upgrade at QB with Mitch Trubisky just because he brings a little mobility to the table. Um, And I think if Kenny Pickett's any better than that, I I think the Steelers got substantially better at the most important position in the sport. Um, So interested to see what you guys think. It's really just a one move thing. It's not like their entire roster, you know, got a lot better, but I think they were a playoff team with the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger last year. So already have a pretty good roster in-house. And I, I sneaky like the Pickens pick up in uh, round two as well. Them getting Pickett where they got him was insane. Like, I mean, getting him in the late 20s as the first quarterback was was perfect uh, kind of for them to have him fall in their lap like that. I don't know if they were going to trade up for a quarterback, but just the fact that he was there probably made it too easy for them to just pull the trigger and say, hey, if Trubisky doesn't work out, this is our guy of the future. Um, the other thing I will say about that is, even without adding, like you said, I think their defense is going to be significantly better this year because they had some injuries. But I don't know if you remember two years ago, the Pittsburgh defense was top three in the NFL. I mean, they were locking teams up. And I could definitely see them doing that again with Minka Fitzpatrick playing playing up back to his potential and, and it, the surrounding pieces around him. So I would not be surprised if the Steelers make some noise this year. I mean, honestly, that division, as good as as good as the Ravens and, and uh, Bengals and everybody else is, like, just because the Bengals made the Super Bowl doesn't mean they're a sure thing for that division because that's a very competitive division overall. I'm a little I'm a little weary on the Ravens though. I will say that. I know that's not the topic of conversation, but I don't really know what to think. The, I like that they traded Marquise Brown and got a first round pick. That was I did not expect them to get a first round pick for him. I was really impressed by that. But at the same time, like I their offseason has been good, but has is it good enough to win the division is what I'm kind of wrapping my my mind around and it seems like them and Lamar aren't on the same page so I'm really curious about their future they, they did have a good offseason I won't dispute that but I'm I'm, I'm just curious about that but yeah yeah I'll let you answer the Pittsburgh question first health is the big thing for Baltimore just getting those guys back I think is huge yeah I'm also surprised no one said Cleveland yet but maybe that's, that's what I was, that's the one I forgot that was actually <laughs> probably gonna be my third team it's the team that got Deshaun Watson instead of Baker Mayfield and Amari Cooper I mean, and a team that can already pound the rock has a good defense. I think they made some defensive upgrades as well, if I'm not mistaken. But um, that's another one that, that should be mentioned. I think we're good. We're going to have to edit some of this stuff. Yeah, we've, been, we've, been, we've been chatting for a while. <laughs> yeah, it's my fault for joining late in. Yeah, we basically had to record two podcasts, Dolan, because everyone you know, wanted a full, a full podcast worth. But, yeah, fun time in sports. NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs. I'm going to the Kentucky Derby this weekend, so – most exciting 60 seconds in uh, in sports. So shout out Alex Wynn, front of the show, former guest. He'll be in attendance. Um, but uh, yeah, and then the NFLs were right around the corner. You boys so, also sitting. Yeah, we can't, sitting. we can't talk about them. No, you're going to say it. You're gonna say it. Sorry. No, I was saying your boys also sitting behind home plate uh, for the Mets-Nats game next Ooh. Wednesday night. So uh, here we go. If you, if you tune in, you may see me. So look for look for the – Brown dude, and uh, hopefully a Lindor jersey. I'm trying to acquire one before then. So just, just throwing it out there. Love that. Hell yeah. All right. All right, John. That was Mondays down south. Mondays down south.